Welcome to My Orgasmic Life Podcast, a show that where we talk about sex, love, relationships, and kink. And of course, my favorite part, I share with you my very graphic, very juicy, and always entertaining orgasmic life. I'm Gaia Morissette, your hostess, and your holistic sexual wellness specialist, your trauma healer, your BDSM expert, and of course, your pro dominatrix. Mm. <laughs> the show was inspired to inspire you to support your orgasmic living. Remember, always check the content warning before you listen and make sure you're listening where no one else can hear it because you never, ever know what I'm going to say because I always come with an explicit graphic content warning. <laughs> now, strap in and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome. I've missed you. <laughs> so I just want to say uh, welcome to another fabulous episode of My Orgasmic Life. And I'm your hostess with the mostest, Empress Gaia. So if you are listening and you really want to see how smoking hot I look today, I would recommend going and following me on YouTube. <laughs> I just recently dyed my hair sexy red and I'm wearing quite the sexy outfit and I got these sexy like librarian glasses on with my red lips and my wonderful autumn nails. Um, so I'm looking very delicious. <laughs> All right. Enough about me, actually. No, today's all about me. Okay, so today what we're going to talk about in our episode, make sure you check the content morning, is I'm going to talk about my vagina surgery. You're like, what? Um, so I uh, I want to talk all about it. There's some really funny things of like, you know, how does a, you know, the, the title is, how does a dom recover from, you know, vagina surgery? <laughs> you know, versus the average non-dom uh, recover from vagina surgery. Okay, so all things me as always entertaining and fun and and part of part of my commitment to you the audience which I love and adore thank you for continuing to embark on this adventure with me um is that I always show up as the truth the good the bad the ugly and there's usually some you know inappropriateness and definitely going to be some swearing um, but I promised you in the beginning of this adventure um, that I would always be truthful with you. So here's another piece of the truth. Okay, so let's do a little backstory first before we get into, you know, there's, there's, if you listen to any of the episodes around me going to the Amazon jungle um, or doing ayahuasca, I mentioned that, you know, there's been problems with my vagina. Okay. So let's do the backstory on that so that you understand, well, why did she have surgery recently? Okay. So about, I would say about 15 years ago, um, my, one of my lubrication ducts on the left side of my vagina, vaginal canal 
blocked and they couldn't repair it and they couldn't it was like this it was like a nightmare I it swelled it blocked it got infected I had to get you know emergency lacing where they like sliced it open which changed the sensation of my vagina it was very traumatic okay nothing was not nothing about this is fun or sexy at this moment okay <laughs> and so basically after you know basically two years of like specialists and you know by the time they they couldn't actually there's a surgery to repair it they couldn't do the surgery unless it absolutely was blocked at the time that the surgery was booked. And so every time, and they didn't have an emergency, we did anyway. So needless to say, I didn't get it fixed. And I went to the Amazon jungle and I did ayahuasca, which is definitely a worth episode to go listen to. Um, and it seemed to heal itself, right? So I didn't have any more duct issues lubrication duct issues with my vagina for years and periodically over the last you know 10-15 years of this going on every once in a while you know a duct I would have some really vigorous sex or you know use a new lube or something like that and it would get blocked but it was only blocked for a temporary period and, and then it would release so the last two years though um my that was my left side the last two years my right side decided to uh be a little bit of an asshole <laughs> started to block and so we started the process the doctor's process the specialist process you know luckily um you know the right the right side the right duct was more cooperative <laughs> so when i would finally get into the specialist that I could actually find it and they could see, oh yeah, this is what's going on. So we had to, uh, you know, book some surgery and hopefully we're cross, you know, we were like, okay, hopefully it stays blocked. Um, and, you know, while I had to wait for like three months for them to do the surgery before they could get me in. So, so long story short, it did. So that's good. I was very good. It stayed blocked so that they could do the surgery. And so I went in for vagina surgery, right? And in that surgery, they basically, they sliced me open again. And then this is really sexy. And if, you, if you're a vagina owner, you might be like, ah. <laughs> I won't give you too many details, but basically they opened it up and then they made, uh, you know, they sewed some stuff. And so they made it so that it's opened. And so that, you know, I can be juicy and lubrication can flow, okay? So before I went in to surgery, because there had been so much trauma, like I've, you know, most of my, I mean, I've, I'm, you know, over the years, you've heard me talk about my health and I've had a, like, I've had a pretty rough body um, for majority of my life, uh, not being very cooperative. <laughs> I mean, I'm incredibly orgasmic, which I think is the payoff to the others and stuff. I think that was the universe's payoff. We're like, all right, we're going to give her a crappy body, but she can come lots in it. So that's okay. <laughs> Anyways, so I've had a lot of medical procedures and a lot of tests. And, you know, especially over the last year, I was trying to figure out what was wrong with me. Um, and, you know, it turns out that I, you know, 
uh, just quick little update on that part, um, it has been a while, is that it turns out I had parasites that I picked up about 10 years ago. And, um, you know, we've gone, we've, we've done a couple of treatments, which is like, <laughs> worse than parasites, <laughs> kind of like chemo for parasites. Um, but, you know, I feel like I'm crossed I'm crossing my labia. Well, not not quite yet. There's not completely recovered. <laughs> but you, you get the idea that uh, the little parasite bastards are all gone. But I'm feeling really good, and I'm feeling very upbeat and energetic and all the things. So um, I I think things are things are looking up. Things are looking up. Yay! You give me back to my normal. Uh, debauchery self and we can you know our podcast can you know get back into you know my slutty life <laughs> um okay so back to the surgery so before I went into surgery so I talk a lot about the importance of you know working on your shit and healing your stuff and you know, doing, you know, I've talked lots about the importance of our subconscious and healing our inner children and, you know, using all these beautiful tools to heal from trauma. Okay. So knowing that I was going in for surgery in an area because so is it so here's the first here's the first win of taking advocacy and taking back my power. Okay. So I finally get into the right gynecologist specialist surgeon and you know she's like okay let's book you surgery and she's like we can book you like two weeks from now but you will only be a local and you won't be out and I say to her I'm like I don't think that's a good plan I'm like I have severe childhood sexual abuse and we do not really want me to be triggered and that's the area of, is there any area of my body that would trigger my past trauma? It's going to be cutting into my vagina. <laughs> and so this surgeon, fantastic. She was awesome. She's like, yeah, we don't really want you triggered in the operating room. I'm like, no, nah, I don't really want to be triggered. She's like, okay, well, the next one is going to be in a couple months from now. I'm like, okay, I'll take that one. So me advocating. So the beginning of me, you know, part of me was in like, it was really hard for me to say that, like, it was really hard for me to be like, no, this is what I need. And I know that this is what I'm going to need. And I need to fight for what I need. Okay. This is, um, you know, a big piece of like my own journey and my own healing and all the medical trauma that I've been through after all the years of, of you know, an unhappy body and being, you know, a vagina owner in the medical profession anyways in Canada, uh, it's basically kind of like, especially anything that has to do with female, female parts um, is not really treated with respect or empowerment or any other things. So, so this was part of me like reclaiming this process of saying, hey, you know what, I'm, you know, this is my trauma. I don't think it's a good idea. Let's do it this way. And for the first time, actually, in a very long time, she listened and she's like, yeah, okay, let's do it. So I have a couple months to prepare psychologically, emotionally, physically. Um, what do I need to do to be able to go through this surgery without, you know, it being a re-victimization or re-traumatizing my body, especially since my body is at a really rough year as it is. 
So like, how do we, how do we do this so that my recovery period isn't like, you know, they called for six to eight weeks, but turns out I've only really needed three. Turns out actually two. I was really after two. I was like, yeah, I can have a clitoral orgasm. We'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> Anyways, so I start doing my healing, right? I do my work. I go in, I do my sanctuary, my inner child sanctuary. If you're like, what is she talking about? I have lots of episodes on inner child work, um, advanced inner child work, um, and the power of, you know, healing your subconscious. So I go in, I do all that sanctuary work, I do all my feelings, I, you know, work with my support people um, to help me process all the past trauma. I have, you know, I do some magic stuff, you know, this is part of the woo part of me that, you know, shows up all the time. Um, but, you know, I did some deep, uh, you know, healing and releasing at the fire of healing all of the, you know, releasing all the past trauma that my vagina has been carrying with me. And I cry like fucking basically the moral of it is I talk about the things that have happened while I'm holding the log, just in case you're like, how did she do that? <laughs> holding the log. <laughs> I talk about my feelings about all the things that have happened. I ball my little eyes out. And then I release all of that into the fire. I actually was having a, an actual bonfire, right? Not one in my sanctuary, but actual in reality, like in the here and now. So I then take that log. And once I was all done with it, I throw it in the fire and I say, by the power of fire and desire, so shall it be. And I release all that I've just let go of. And it's this deep cathartic thing, which I recommend doing with anything, right? Like, if there's anything that you're like pain and suffering and trauma and past hurts and anger and sadness, this is a really cathartic and powerful way to release it is if you have access to a fire or even if you're just going to write it down and then set it on fire, um, it's a fire is a very powerful transformer. And it's also doing the action of saying, doing the thing, whether you say it out loud or you write it down and then you set it on fire is like you're giving yourself for all of your being permission to let it go. You don't have to store it. You don't have to carry it. You don't have to hold it. And the subconscious likes that because until you kind of give it permission to let go of the trauma or the drama or the story or any kind of distress, your subconscious is like keeps it in case you need need it. In case you need to learn some from it, in case, in case you need it, you know, to not make the same mistake. So until we actually, so pretty much everything that you've ever experienced in this life, um, unless you've given yourself permission, your subconscious, and there's many different ways to do that, but unless you give yourself permission to release it and that you don't need to carry it anymore, it's flowing around in your brain and it's affecting your health your how, what decisions you make, the relationships you have, like it's affecting everything. Okay. So I just, is a, here's a little side note. <laughs> so I have all my feelings and do the thing and throw shit in the fire, burn it up. I'm all good. Okay. Plus I also prepared. I'm like, okay, what do I get? What am I, what kind of support am I going to need to go into surgery? So, um, you know, I, you know, my partner, one of my partners, you know, I, I have a very complex life, but my overlord suggested, she's like, ah, oh, I'll take some time off and take you, to, I'll take you. And I'm like, uh, no, thank you. <laughs> it's like, why not? I'm like, 
because you have many skills and bedside manner is not one of them. I'm like, remember how emotional I am after anesthetic? I cry and I cry and I, the, the sun's shining. I'm still crying. And I said, and then you just yell at me to stop crying. He's like, oh, that's right. I'm like, yeah, no. He's like, all right, bring Dana. <laughs> I'm already decided to bring the person that can handle me emotionally while I'm a train wreck. <laughs> Which is another little important side note of the adventure is that make sure you have the people that have the tools that you need to get the support you need to have, right? So would he have taken me? Yes. Would he have sat around and waited for me? Yes. Would he have gotten my drugs for me? Yes. Would he have run done all the errands for me? Yes. Would he have made me feel comfortable and stop crying? No. <laughs> Again, it's like it's important to know the skills of the people that you have in your life and Bring the right skilled person for your support. And I'm going to tell you a story about somebody who didn't do that while they were, I was in the hospital. Okay. So I got all my support. I got all the prep done. I knew, you know, I got all my work prep done. I'm like, okay, I have, I basically cleared my schedule because the doctor said basically from six to eight weeks. So I've cleared my schedule for like six weeks. I have nothing that I have to do other than lay on the bed with my legs spread. <laughs> unfortunately not the way I like to be, um, so that my vagina can heal. Okay, so I've set it all up, I'm going in, and for the first time ever, I decide, what if I could ask the universe, and just in general, the possibility of everybody who I interact with at the hospital is amazing. It's not an experience I've ever had, and going in, usually when you're in that state of, usually I'm in that state of stress and freaking out and panic and just trying to survive the experience that I end up, it's almost like it's fascinating. I end up, you know, all, every asshole that's at the hospital seems to be working on my team. <laughs> so I was like, well, what if I could ask that that wasn't the, like that didn't actually happen and everything went smoothly and everything was easy and all the people were fabulous. So now I say that, but I had to do a lot of clearing, a lot of healing and a lot of work to get there. Okay. So I just, I need to acknowledge that it's not just like, oh, I'm going to do that. And then oh, it's going to work out. No, I had a lot of, there's a lot of fucking shit I had to let go and healing, releasing, letting go, going in. Like I said, I spent months preparing my body and my mind um, and my vagina um, for this surgery. So day of surgery comes and wouldn't you know, I get like the best ever. Every person that interacted with me was spectacular. Every nurse, every intake nurse, every, inter like every stage of the minute I walked into that. Once I got in there, the parking was a situation. But other than that, once I got in there, every interaction I had with people were spectacular. And that allowed me this new possibility of like just watching and observing and while I'm waiting and asking for my needs to be met. And, you know, um, you know, I was I needed this and they got take care of it. And then you know, there was support where I was like, OK, so, you know, don't feed me, you know, refined sugar because my body can't handle it after the surgery. So just, you know, give me some ice chips and 
And then they realized they're like, oh, okay. And so I have all these restrictions. And so they gave me some gravel that apparently was mixed with some sugar water. And they're like, oh shit, we got, you gave you the wrong one here. Let me take that out immediately. I said, well, it should be fine. And they're like, I'm not consuming it. They're like, no, no, we got to do it right. So they took out that gravel. They gave me some other gravel that wasn't mixed with any, you know, sugar water. And, uh, you know, everything was just incredible. <laughs> I've never experienced an incredible experience at the hospital. And this time I went in with all these new ways of being. So, so while I'm laying there waiting, you know, surgery is running behind time, which is normal. So I'm waiting and, you know, I got like warm blankets and I got, you know, some good IV drugs to keep me Zen, but also to help my stomach. And, you know, uh, I got some hydration going in me, so I'm not dehydrated and, you know, all things are going along while I'm waiting, which is great. And this woman, um, you know, my support person, I said, oh, I'm fine. You can go leave. <laughs> Off you go. <laughs> Come back later. <laughs> so she's like, all right. So you went off and, you know, did her thing and came back later. But so while she was gone and between that, when she left and when I was reeled into the the um, OR, um, this really thing, fascinating thing happened. So because of COVID, you know, after COVID, you know, the, the surgery rooms and stuff, they've, they've kind of basically, you know, plastic the rooms and there's just like plastic in between like waiting spaces and, you know, so that they can seal it off and rip it down and do whatever they need to do. So, all right. So this woman real is wheeled into next door to me. And apparently she's having the same similar surgery that I'm having. And, um, her partner, her male partner is there, you know, as her support person is with her and, and, you know, you can tell, like you can, you know, both, I can feel it coming off of her, but you can hear it in her voice that she's in panic mode and stressed out and all the things, all the things that I usually am when I happen to be in the hospital. Yeah, I'm not, I'm like super calm and zen. It's a very, very new experience, but also a very awesome experience. So, she gets all of her intake done, blah, blah, blah. The nurses leave. And her poor partner is sitting there, just, you know, sitting there. And she just starts in on him. Like, but how he didn't, she, he didn't, she didn't, he didn't hug her right. And she, he didn't kiss her right. And why is she, why is he in a bad mood? And like, he just, she just like, no matter, there is nothing this dude can do to win in this situation. Like nothing. She's in distress and she wants to blame him for it, even if it has there's nothing he could do to to change this narrative other than to walk and run. So it was interesting that I, you know, really watching and observing in this experience because I'm not stressed out. I can watch this happen. And, you know, and I remember, I remember years ago of not having, you know, the wonderful tools that I have at my disposal right now and now to, you know, basically put things in perspective and to not, you know, lash out at others and do all the things. And, you know, I remember feeling that way, you know, and lashing out at, you know, partners that came. And first of all, like I said, I learned a long time ago, don't bring the wrong support person that you, the way that you need support, number one. And two, 
observe and acknowledge it's your own stuff instead of lashing out. So anyway, so this poor dude, he's like, he's like, I don't know what you want from me. I'm here. He's like, yeah, but you're not really present. And, you know, and I'm going to call out us vagina owners a little bit here is that we often don't own our shit because we don't really understand it, that we're, we're feeling and that uh, we don't really give people around us an opportunity to actually meet our needs because we don't really ask for anything. We just tell them what they're doing wrong. And we talk in like these weird abstract concepts like, well, I need you to be more present. It's like, I'm here. I'm present. Not, no, you're not. You're not present at all. He's like, I'm here. He's like, well, you're, you were rude to the nurse and, and, you know, you didn't hug me right. And you didn't kiss me right. And he's like, I kissed you and hugged you like I normally do. <laughs> and what she's looking for is somebody to make her feel safe, but she doesn't know that that was what she needs. And she doesn't have the skills clearly to communicate it, to ask very concretely and say, Hey, need you to hold my hand and tell, pat me on the head and tell me everything's going to be okay. I'm kind of scared right now, which she needs to say, but she can't, she doesn't have the skills, yet, which is very common. So that poor dude is doing the best he can in a situation that he is so not going to win. So like telepathically, I'm like, dude, leave, run away, run away. You're not going to win this right away. And he was even beautifully clear. He's like, yes, I'm slightly, I'm not, you know, hospitals make me he this is what he says he's like this dude is awesome I'm like he's like being in the hospital makes me uncomfortable and I have this big work project that is kind of on my mind that I'm here because I'm I should be there but I'm here with you and instead of being like oh thanks thanks for telling me why you're kind of a little bit off and, you know, I appreciate that you're here. She couldn't hear any of that. She couldn't feel that because she wasn't getting, she didn't know what her needs were. So she just fucking loses her shit on him again. I'm like, dude, just leave. <laughs> leave. You need a timeout. She needs a timeout. There's nothing. Just leave. She'll apologize later. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Just run. So anyway, so he leaves for a moment because he's like, I need, I need a break. And he's like, okay, I'm going to go get some coffee. <laughs> so he goes and, you know, again, she starts in and she's panicky and she's all the things. And so I'm like, please take me to surgery. This woman's wrecking my back. <laughs> and wouldn't you know, all of a sudden, this beautiful, amazing person shows up and says, we're taking you over to, you know, operating section. I'm like, great. She's like, okay, can you walk there? And I'm like, uh, they gave me gravel. I'm not so sure that that's a good idea. She's like, all right, well, will you there? And so she wheels me over there. And I end up sitting for like a good solid half an hour in my bed, watching the new, my new show. It's like, it was very fascinating. Actually, I'm like watching all the nurses and the doctors and who's interacting with who. And you can totally see who's flirting with who, who wants to have sex with who, and who has already had sex with who. So it's like my own little like ER <laughs> hospital drama unfolding in front of me, which again is this brand new experience for me. Usually I'm like the crazy girl that we were just talking about, like, you know, spazzy. And I was like, I got to enjoy all this entertainment. So I get wheeled in, it's my turn. And 
my surgeon was awesome. She's like, okay, before we like knock you out, she's like, you know, let's do a wellness check. See, you're aware of what's happening and what's going on. And so I do. And she's like, do you have any questions? I said, okay, well, my period's going to come in a couple of days. How am I going to handle that? And she's like, well, ultimately, if you can lay on towel and bleed, that would be great. And, you know, make sure you do sits bath and, you know, squirts and all things, wash things off. And, but the more air and the more open and the less, you know, anything rubbing up against it, the quicker it will heal. Like, all right. So the real question that I'm most concerned about is when can I have an orgasm? <laughs> she's like, she's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, what? I'm like, when can I do Kegels? I'm like, you know, because Kegels are the exact same feelings sent, you know, muscle groups that I use when I'm having vaginal orgasms. Like they didn't seem to understand what I was asking. So like, when can I do Kegels? She's like, well, you could do Kegels tonight if you wanted to. She's like, it might hurt and be uncomfortable. So I wouldn't recommend it, but it's not going to injure anything or damage anything. And I said, oh, okay. So I can have orgasms. She's like, yeah, but no penetration. I'm like, all right. She's like, not until you come back and see me. I'm like, okay. And then they, I went to bye-bye, la-la land. <laughs> they did the surgery. I came out, you know, I woke up to, you know, a, a beautiful, wonderful recovery nurse instead of somebody yelling at me, which is usually what happens. And I got like the best recovery team and it made me feel really loved and really cared and safe. And I bawled my eyes out. And there's already a note that I will do that for up for 24 hours. So they're just like, here's some tissues, all good. And instead of freaking out about why I won't stop crying. And it was great. And then, of course, who gets wheeled beside me? <laughs> Crazy woman. And now she doesn't have, now she doesn't have like a man to yell at now she's like now she's annoying my our nurse and stuff and and luckily I recovered qu quickly and they sent me out of there again beautiful as it was home sent me home before I, uh, I could even feel I had any surgery because they did they gave me some good drugs and they numb things good so I had no idea and it was beautiful it was like the surgery itself, preparing for it, and the surgery itself went fabulous. I didn't think that that could even be possible. It turns out when you go into, you heal shit, and you go in in a new way, that there's new possibilities that can happen. So for, so here's the thing, though, that this is, now we're getting the funny story, okay? So anyways, so thank you for listening and bearing with all of those pieces. Um, that's all the, the, the therapeutic side of things. And now let's get into the fun. <laughs> as fun as vagina surgery can be. So before you go into surgery, you have to remove your fake nails and have no polish, both on both your fingernails and your toenails. Okay. So I forgot to talk about that part. And you have to take out all of your piercings. So I knew about the piercings, but I had no, I, I've been in surgery before and all that kind of stuff. And they never, uh, maybe it was, be, it's a new policy, but anyway. So when I read that, like, you know, a week before surgery, I was like, what the fuck? What do you mean? I got to get rid of my nails. Are you crazy? I've had my nails done for the last 15 years. I haven't had my nails. I haven't been naked for like 15 years. There was like a short period during COVID where 
that happened and that was a rough time but i still had nail polish on so they haven't been like no, naked in a very long time and my toenails they haven't been naked in like over 35 years so i go to the nail salon <laughs> this is probably the most traumatic thing for me actually i go to the nail salon and i'm like hey i dig off my nails and I'm there with a girlfriend of mine and she's getting her nails done and she's getting all pretty fied and I'm all jealous because like I'm getting, I'm paying somebody to take my nails off and like keep them naked and all things. And it was very, I was, I couldn't even look at my nails for a couple of days. Like I was very distressed. So the other thing is, is that if you don't know anything about fake nails, um, is that they tend to be thicker so they don't break as easily and they're not as sharp. And I call them you'll understand why I call them my safety nails <laughs> so I keep scratching myself I keep scratching myself cutting myself scratching myself you know with no nails like with my you know without my fake nails and they're naked so first thing oh the second piece is like my nose ring all right so I pull out the ball the morning of the ball off my nose ring, but I keep my nose ring in until, until I, the very last moment before I have to take it out. And, uh, because, you know, piercings close, my body closes piercings very quickly. And so I knew that. So, you know, so here are the most two important things is my, my nose ring and my nails. <laughs> I don't care about anything else those are the two important things so I get up I'm done my surgery I get home and I'm like okay I'm like I need I need I need nail polish I can't get my nails done for a while because there's no way I can sit and I can't wear pants and I'm you know I'm bleeding <laughs> the place on towels and stuff so needless to say I'm not gonna be able to leave the house never mind sit for my nails so what do I do this is where the dom comes in I call one of my subbies I'm like, Sabi, <laughs> guess what? You're coming over, you're fixing my nail, my colored nail problem, and you're going to dress up in a French maid outfit and you're going to make me happy. And he's like, of course, Empress. So he comes over, he's got his French maid outfit, um, you know, and again, like, I'm so vulnerable. Like, I've just had surgery. I'm fucking stoned into my mind. Uh, I'm pain meds. I'm like bleeding. <laughs> like, this is like not like the sexy, your sex. I'm going to see my sexy empress. This is like I'm going to see my very vulnerable empress, but I'm going to make her happy. <laughs> and in all fairness, um, it was really good for me to do that because uh, I needed, I needed, I both needed some pampering and there's things that I needed to get done that I couldn't do. And um, I really needed to hit somebody, by the way, <laughs> as well. So it was like a win, win, win. And he hadn't seen me in a while and he didn't think he was going to get to see me very much because of the surgery and all the things. So he was very happy. So he comes over brings over his French maid outfit, puts his French maid outfit on. I have him, you know, um, you know, go get my nail stuff. And he's never done nails before. So I talk him through doing the nails while I'm on the bed. And, you know, he gets to be upstairs, which my subbies never get to do. So he's like, Woo. 
and he puts color on my nails and I start to feel, ah, oh. but I'm giggling because, you know, this is, but part of me is like, I need to hit somebody. Like I have, it's been a couple of weeks. I'm like, oh my God, I need to hit somebody. So I'm like, hey, go get my spoon. <laughs> I go and get my spoon. I'm like, bend over. So I hit him. And I'm la and I'm like, oh, I'm so much happier. I got to hit somebody. Consensually, I got to hit somebody. Yay. I got my nail color back on. I got to hit somebody. And I'm laughing because, you know, only a dom part of her recovery would be and of course, it's like, you know, recovery, you know, I got, you know, he's got his collar on, he's got his French maid up in, he's running around in heels, and he's doing some other errands. I think he was doing some, you know, doing my dishes, doing some sweeping, taking care of some other shit that needed to be done in the house in between my nails drying. So it was good. Like, that was a funny moment. Like, that was definitely, I'm like, all right, this is definitely... I am definitely a sexual sadist that my well-being is based on how I get, how often do I get to hit people? So that was funny. The other funny thing is that that happened in my recovery, surprisingly. So, you know, again, I'm naked and I'm healing and I get my period a couple of days later. So I'm definitely not leaving the house and I can't wear pants and I can't put panties on and I can't do anything and it needs to be healed it needs to be open air for healing so um I'm naked and I'm like starting to do a little bit of cooking and I think this is into like the week yeah two days after yeah two days after surgery I'm like getting my nails from my subby and hitting them and then uh you know, it's been a couple of weeks of like, no pants, no panties. I haven't left the house, these kinds of things. And then about a week and a half, I'm like, okay, I'm like doing some cooking and I'm naked in the kitchen. And so I, and this is funny because I feel like it's something that would only happen to me. <laughs> and if you're listening, you're like, oh no, I understand that's happened to me. I'm like, great. I'm not the only one. <laughs> so I'm cooking and I'm making spaghetti squash and I need to wrap it in some tinfoil and I pull out the tinfoil. Hold on here. I pull out the tinfoil and wouldn't you know, I slice my nipple. <laughs> That's right. I give a tinfoil paper cut to my nipple, which hurts really a lot like a paper cut and bleeding everywhere now. <laughs> Again, like I'm bleeding again, but not from the other spot. Now it's from my nipple. So, you know, I put some polysporin on it, clean it up and all that kind of stuff. And so my nipple's out of a commission for a couple of days. So then I get to like, okay, I'm leaving the house and I have to go to massage because my body really needs some massage. So I'm leaving the house and I have to wear panties and pants. Like, first of all, if you've listened to the episode about Gaia's weird relationship with panties, you'll know this is a big deal. So because of um, not wanting extra rubbing and things like that, I both wore and I was had my period. So it was like the end of my period. Um, and I was still having some um, spotting and things from surgery. I had to wear a pad, panties and pants. There's like three layers. 
you've listened to the guy's weird relationship with panties. I'm like a one layer girl, close, period, on any part of my body. There just needs to be one layer. <laughs> I'm a true nudist. <laughs> so now I got like three layers. I got pad, panties, and pants. And at first, I'm really excited that I'm leaving the house and I'm going to put some pants on. And I don't think in my whole existence of my life as a nudist have I ever been excited to wear pants. Ever. So this makes me laugh and makes me giggle. And I'm so excited and talking about, woo, I get to wear pants and I get to leave out. So, you know, it goes out. And the worst part about my adventure out was not about, you know, the massage or getting in a car or any of that kind of stuff. It was like, oh my God, too many layers and too many pants. And my body was like, ah, we're not ready for pants or panties. Take it all off. Let be. <laughs> so it's another week or so before my being, my vagina is like, all right, we're ready for you know, we're ready for some pants. <laughs> so I put some pants on and I go for a walk and I'm like, okay, we're good. We're, we're back to, we can wear pants. We don't have to, you know, we can leave the house and recovery continues to just go very, very well. But those are the funny stories that I just wanted to <laughs> talk to you about. <laughs> oh, actually one last piece of this story. This is a very long podcast. Um, <laughs> But there's a lot going on. Is so remember how I said about making sure that you have the right people for the right fit to do the right thing. So it turns out that um, the closest people to me are not very nurturing, which is part of why I really like them. Because really nurturing people are like those people that are like you know caretakers and they're nurturing. I tend to not gel with them because I feel I don't like. I'm not, I don't like being pampered and like fussed over. It's not my nature. I'm like, a, you know, I've got shit to do. And, um, you know, the people I'm not overly nurturing by nature. And the people who I fall in love with and that I am the closest to typically are not nurturing. They, they, the reason that I'm close to them is because they're not overly nurturing. They're super independent and they don't need a lot from me. Just like I don't need a lot from them. This is why we all are friends. This is why we're all close. This is why I love them. That's why they love me. However, turns out that when I have surgery and I'm sick, I tend to be a suck and need some nurturing. I want to be taken care of in a nurturing, pampering sort of way. So the person that I had in, you know, we had talked about, hey, can you do take, you know, I got all set up for my aftercare. Um, we didn't really realize this till it was too late, <laughs> which is she'll do the things, but she won't do them from a place of love. And she's quite annoyed that she has to. And I'm like, I really need to feel like taken care of and loved and just going through the motions of getting the thing done with the eye rolling and the irritability and the blah, blah, blah. doesn't make me feel loved and taken care of. And so at some point where, you know, I'm, uh, I'm doing much better than expected. So this is why I could do what well, this is why we could do this. Um, I, you know, was capable of, you know, managing some stuff for myself and, you know, my partner, he went away for the weekend thinking that I was going to be taken care of. And she was not good taken care of because she doesn't like, she's not a nurturer, doesn't like taking care of people, it's not her nature which is also why I like her the rest of the time. 
This is why we're really good friends. So I'm like, I love you, but you need to go. <laughs> I need to go. I got this. I'll take care of me. Uh, and and then, you know, we had, there was an, this opportunity for, that could have gone sideways, but me and her are really good at communicating with each other. So um, I'm like, uh, the next day, you know, on the next day or two, you know, she's kind of checked. She's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. You don't need to come over. And then I really owned it. I'm like, I'm really mad at you. I don't know why yet. I'm just really mad at you. Cause then my partner came home and he was super like not available at all because he's also not nurturing. <laughs> not that cuddly court or sort of like, let me make you some soup with some love and give you kisses and tuck you in. Like, no, it's like, here's soup. Leave me alone. <laughs> so, <laughs> again, these are the things you learn. So that could have gone sideways. There could have been a lot of drama. There wasn't any drama. I just like, hey, yeah, this is not working for me. I said, you're really angry about taking care of me and I need you not to be angry, which is not going to happen. So you need to go away and then we'll talk about it later. So I spend a couple of days kind of being mad and not knowing why, like not understanding. At this point, I don't realize it's because I want non-nurturing people to be nurturing. And there's only like very few times in my life I actually want to be nurtured and I'm never nurtured and and my own childhood, I never got nurtured and there's all this bullshit, right? So I like spend, a, before I have a talk with her, I'm like, I said to her, I'm like, yeah, I'm working through some shit. I'm kind of mad at you, but I love you, but I'm kind of mad at you. And we'll talk about it once I figure out what the fuck's going. So I have some feelings, do some journaling. I do some thinking. I go into my subconscious, find out what the fuck's going on, find out why I'm so mad. And then I say, okay, I'm ready. And we have this great conversation where I said, hey, so it turns out I really need like nurturing from a place of joy and love, not from a place of irritation and annoyance. And, um, you know, next time let's do this differently and have better conversations. And she's like, yes. And I need to, she's like, it's one thing for you to ask me to do something, but it's another thing for you to ask me to do things. And I didn't know that I had to be nice about it. And it was supposed to be joyful. I said, yes, let's have better conversations before we negotiate and get in, involved into something. So that was great. We got to clear that out, heal that, do that. I set up my own subconscious to get nurturing. I got some pampering from my subbies um, that, you know, subbies are caretakers. That's their nature. <laughs> Doms are not. <laughs> so, um, And I got my needs met. But it was, I just wanted to talk that was the little, the little piece that needed to be, you know, before I stop our conversation today, it was that, you know, it's okay to, when you have a really solid communication with each other, it's okay to be angry at one another sometimes. And it's okay to like, take, take a break, step away, remove yourselves from each other and then process it and then come back and have the conversation instead of like trying to sort it out while everybody's having their, basically their feelings. Okay. So um, I will talk about, I'll dive more into this whole, like um, asking for your needs and negotiating your needs and um, how to do that a little bit better. I will have another, I'll do a whole episode on, you know, 
basically getting your needs met, but first knowing what your needs are and how do you navigate that within your relationship. So um, I will do another one and we can dive deeper into that. Okay. All right. So happy uh, enjoying the next series sets of podcasts. Um, who knows what we'll talk about. <laughs> and thanks for listening. And thanks for sending me any, you know, uh, good vibes about you know, my vagina. Now it's happy. It's juicy. It's, uh, oh, that's the other funny part is that um, now that it's fixed, all of a sudden I'm like, what's going on? Why am I wet? It was running down my leg. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's what happens when your lubrication ducts work. Apparently you get horny, your lubrication ducts, and then you like get messy. <laughs> so... I'm like, oh, so I was also kind of funny. Um, little sidebar. Okay, bye-bye. Love you. If you need support in any way, reach out to me at you know all the places, guymorrisat.com. Hi. Hmm. Well, I hope today's episode inspired you, encouraged you, and of course made you feel tingly inside. I just want to take a moment to tell you how much I appreciate the time that you spend and how I really deeply appreciate you listening. I do it for you guys, the audience, and I love and adore you guys. So quick loving reminder, I am not available for naked pictures, getting married, having sex, or having anybody's babies. And when you want to spend more time with me in a professional capacity as your coach, your teacher, your educator, your facilitator... Um, you can reach me at GaiaMorissette.com. That's the gateway to all things Gaia. Now, if you're like, oh, I really wonder what's in the extended version. <laughs> I also lovingly invite you to follow me on Instagram, which the handle is My Orgasmic Life Podcast, where you can leave feedback and comments also come join me on Facebook at My Orgasmic Life Podcast Facebook group. And I really want to hear from you. I want to know how this show affected you. Did you what did you learn? Was it inspirational? Did you agree? Do you disagree? Um, you know, I want I want to know. Because I'm a little bit of a voyeur. So I want to know what how am I affecting you? <laughs> so please, please please come leave some comments. Now, if you're like, but I don't want everybody to know what I'm thinking, which is okay. Sometimes we need privacy and we need to be anonymous. So you would like that option. We have that. Okay. Listeners until next time, may your life be filled with sexy exploration and orgasmic pleasure. Mwah. Bye bye.